Hi, I'm James Van Ostel, and this is another special episode of Carcon Carne. It's special because it's another replay of one of the panels that happened as part of Chicago Podcast Day. It was a first ever event. It happened at 2112 Creative Industries Incubator, and it was a full day of presentations and panels and discussions and community building and learning. We all shared in our stories, observations, and thoughts, and I think we all walked out with a lot of ideas and plans for the future, mad schemes for how to improve what we do and improve the listening experience for you. So this panel in particular, it isn't specific to people who just want to hear about podcasting techniques or tips or tricks. This one was about social media. And I think if you create anything on social, which you probably do if you listen, you can take away something from this panel. And my panelists were awesome. And I introduced them right at the beginning of the panel. And that will be heard right after the fantastic, the legendary, the iconic Josh Caterer theme song. It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show. James Van Ostel. Topic from word of mouth to paid ads. How to best use social media. You're on social media. Your audience is on social media. The question is, how do you do social media right? How do you effectively nurture your community and grow your audience? We're going to talk about the present of social media and its future and how to easily create ads that fall in line with your budget, no matter what size your budget is. We're going to start by bringing out Eric White. He graduated from U of I at Urbana-Champaign. He has a degree in economics, a minor in computer science. He's been on the digital side of media for almost 20 years. He's never been on the air. He's always been behind the scenes. Previously, he was at CBS. He oversaw the Chicago market's digital content and operations for both the TV and radio side. That's seven stations. Currently, he's at Cumulus Media, the nation's largest audio network. He's the vice president, digital sales and strategic initiatives, overseeing nearly 400 stations in 90 markets. Uh, he does a lot in his job. He does stuff on the sales side, selling digital solutions. He executes social marketing campaigns and he leads strategic growth efforts. He's uh, also a former boss of mine. So this is, I guess, how I pay him back. So Eric White. Thank you. Next, we have Lizzie Baumgartner. She is a broadcast radio and podcast professional with over six years of experience in radio, and she always has her finger on the pulse of the entertainment news industry. She currently is an audio production coordinator for Odyssey's alternative rock markets, which includes stations like WNYL and K-Rock. She also teaches media studies at her alma mater, North Central College. She manages WRSE. She teaches students at Elmhurst University about radio, as well as journalism. Finally, she hosts and produces her own podcast, The Emo Social Club, where she also live streams, interviews guests, and produces live events. Lizzie Baumgartner, right there. Our third and final panelist and the returning champion is Mike Vanderbilt. He was voted Chicago's Best Bartender 2021 by the Chicago Reader. He started his first podcast, Drinks on Monday, back in 2014, and eventually found himself hooking up with Bloody Disgusting's Halloweenies podcast full-time. That happened in 2020 for the season covering the Friday the 13th franchise. In addition to that podcast, he also co-hosts Windy City Double Feature Picture Show, Centerfold, Revealing Culture Flew Through Playboy Magazine, 
and Cheap Tracks, A History of Cheap Trick, Song by Song. Mike Vanderbilt. And it should be noted that all guest panelists, all people on this panel who are male, have to wear blazers. <laughs> we wanted to bring some style to the proceedings, James. Yeah. Uh, here's one for all of you. Let's start with community. Is there one social media platform, a one-size-fits-all slam dunk for building community? I'm a big fan of Twitter. That's my favorite social media. And it amazes me how many people still find it to be such a foreign concept when I think it's maybe one of the easiest because it's the easiest to interact with people and the easiest to share stuff. Instagram makes it very hard to share stuff other than stories and I think Facebook is very kind of insular where it's only the people you let on and you can do that with Twitter but I find that Twitter is the best way to interact with your listeners which I think is a big part of what makes successful social media marketing. I definitely agree with that. Um, the, one of the biggest things that I tell my students is that, if, especially for media and journalism, for radio, if you're not on Twitter, because it's basically like the media LinkedIn, then you're shooting yourself in the foot. You're not going to get out there. Nobody's going to know who you are. I also work a lot in the music industry, and I find a lot of gigs for my friends last minute where they're like, I need a merch person at House of Blues in like three hours. Who can be there? They're not going to take time to post that on LinkedIn because they also have to pay for it, and there's just no time or turnaround. And the amount of people who have started to like grow their careers from that has been astonishing. Now, another one that is definitely good for community that is basically based in community building is Discord. So Discord is obviously a messenger app, but you can create your own little communities and worlds for it. So I have that for my podcasts where you can just go in and then we have different areas. We have general, we have announcements. So if like we're live streaming, it'll announce and it'll like um, notify our over like 500 people in our Discord and say, hey, like go to the stream or hey, we have this coming up. We also have like subcategories where people can, you know, talk about trash reality TV. They can talk about anime. They can talk about whatever they want to talk about and create a, a tighter knit community. And also another one that has been new and up on the rise is TikTok because the way the community creates on TikTok is you're posting some type of video about something. And a lot of ways that those are trending is if it is something that's a little bit more personal. Now maybe we see it as trauma dumping and it's a little bit weird and like awkward, but but we see a lot of these niche avenues come out and then you start to build and like mutually follow people and then you can collaborate because everybody on there, you aren't a user, you're a creator. So with that aspect in mind, you can start to do that and turn out so much more. Even if you only are at like a thousand followers or something like that and you're just starting out, you can start to grow that exponentially and start to connect with so many other people because also TikTok does have a little bit of a larger expansion as well, more worldwide, rather than just you know within the United States, for example, or just within Chicago. So those are some newer aspects I really think are helpful, along obviously with Twitter. I love Twitter to death. That's how I meet so many new people, make besties for life, we love it. <laughs> I wanted to add something on Twitter too. Like I, a lot of people who are even on Twitter every day refer to it as the hell site. And I think the trick is to kind of curate your own experience. Use the block button. Use the mute feature. Like, there's a lot of people you have to follow because it's professional courtesy, but you don't want to hear every thought that they have every day. So just mute them. They don't need to know. <laughs> and, you know, engage, curate your experience, and uh, you'll be infinitely happier. And, like I said, it's just easier to share stuff on there. You know, I got suspended from Twitter last year, and I started using TikTok. 
But all I did was I sat in a chair in my office and read what I would normally be tweeting aloud. And it did pretty well on TikTok. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right, Eric, is there a social media platform that's one size fits all? Well, look, I, I, this is why I love panels, because you get this you know, wide, wide variation of opinions here. And, and I'm going to take the unpopular one, partly because I'm probably the old guy up here, and partly because I'm definitely not as cool as these people are here, <laughs> you can tell. Um, I still fall back quite a bit on, on Facebook. That's, um, I, I look at it as a scale play. And so if I want, where can I get the most bang for my buck? Um, Facebook's built around um, fan pages and groups and things like that. It's also a scale play on, on the sense of 80 or 90% of the population has a Facebook account and still very widely used. Um, and it has a great ecosystem uh, for, for the ads, um, paid ads and, and the power that it can do on that side of things, which I'm sure Mr. Uh, Mr. Osdell, Van Osdell here will ask me about later here. But um, yeah, I, I, I love Facebook. That's my choice. I wanted to piggyback on that, though, but I think you're a fool if you say you're not going to use any of them. Use all, what are the big ones? Let's say Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, like use them all and have, you know, even if you have the same content across the platforms, it's free. You're, I mean, you can pay for it, but you're like as a bartender, if I put up when I'm working my shift. If one person sees it and comes in and gets a drink and tips me $2, that's worth my time. Right. So for a podcast creator, how do you promote your content without promoting? How do you actually be authentic in what you're putting out there on socials, so that you're engaging people without overtly selling them on an episode or your content. I think honesty is, like they were saying in the, uh, the uh, traditional media one, I think authenticity and honesty is the real thing. And uh, there was a gentleman back here who said about, you asked about, you were to mention branding, but everybody's branding. Like, I think if you're honest about, everybody is branding if you're trying to be creative. And, just the trick is to be honest about it and bring yourself into that. And I think part of that is, you know, letting your listeners know a little bit about your personal life, your personality, not too much. You don't have to be a complete open book, but that helps people engage because like I host Halloweenies, which is a horror podcast. There's a million horror podcasts out there. What makes ours, ours does pretty well. It's on Bloody Disgusting. We do a little, we do well with our Patreon. What, what makes ours different? We're, we have the same access to the same Wikipedia, the same newspaper articles. It's our personalities. Yeah, I agree. I think showcasing your own personality and also just like transparency. One of the biggest things that I found over this last year of when I was um, restarting the entire WRC college radio station was that as much transparency, obviously with some limitations, that you tell people, the more that they're willing to like work with you and trust you and keep following along with you. So with that as well, translating it onto social media, the way that you look at social media pr to promote your own personal podcast is to one, make yourself a personality. So you have to give yourself your edge. What is your niche? What is your thing? Quite obviously, I wear these big bows in my hair and these big glasses. I've been wearing bows in my hair for about 13 years, and that is just my thing. And because I'm in the specific niche of usually within like the emo, pop punk, alternative rock subculture, I am also in that area. So a lot of my tweets, my TikToks, things like that will pertain to those types of things. And with that, I can also say like, oh yeah, I really like the new My Chemical Romance song and then this is me following every single set list and I should be in the UK right now. But that's beside the point. But that gives people out to it that like this is my personality, this is what my podcast will talk about, what it involves. But also, we also do like playlisting as well. 
And that is a way to also showcase to people like, hey, we have our finger on the pulse of new music. We like working with new artists, things like that. And that's what brings in, at least for music podcasts, what people are moreover looking for, especially in this demographic of anywhere from like 18 to 35 years old. People want that kind of like new hip thing because they still want to say like, I heard it before everyone else. I'm like, I'm cooler than you. Like, listen, we all want to do it sometimes. It's okay. But being able to kind of establish that and make sure that you also are relating to your audience as much as you can, building up a really good, like, um, not like a parasocial relationship. That's a little dangerous. But, like, you know, at least of a, a back and forth of camaraderie type of thing. I think that is a really great way to showcase, like, who you are as a podcast and as a personality. And also, you could take it a step further, which is what myself and a couple other people do um, that I are, like, Twitter mutuals with, is we just specifically post things, like, on our podcast. And our podcast turns into our secondary brand and personality, aside from our own personal. And we can develop it that way as well. So we kind of like spread it more. So on my personal, my, on my podcast, Twitter side, um, for example, I started posting on there a lot, lot more. And I started to get a lot more mutuals and follows. And then it was secondary that they came to follow my personal individual Twitter account and my other social medias. And then it's vice versa. So you can kind of go back and forth, back and forth. That also helps if you're concerned about what you post because of your work. So you can just go there and pretend it's not you. Fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> so those are a few aspects that I think has been really pretty personal and like really developmental for a lot of like podcasts. So Eric, how do you promote without promoting? Well, first off, I learned uh, not to wear my big bows anymore because that's her thing. So um, <laughs> I, I, when I think about how we manage a community, build, build followings, um, connect with our fans one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I think first off we think about being true to the platform you've chosen. And so you've heard a wide variance of, of different platforms and there's a certain expectation of the content that you want to put in there. Um, and then we think about what are the things that I should be kind of talking about on here. And clearly what we want from every one of our fans and followers, come listen to my podcast, come download, tell a friend, right? It's always about here's the things subconsciously that I know I want to ask of them, but I always want to be returning back to them some very important things. First off, how do I maintain that voice? And we've heard it from um, my, my co-panelists up here. We've heard it in earlier sessions too. There's a consistent voice to your podcast. There's a consistent voice that you maintain when you talk to your fans and followers. So maintaining that voice, I think, is, is really important. Um, also offering value back to them. Right? So if we're going to constantly ask them to come listen, we should be returning things. And whether that's behind the scenes things or special insider access to something, to make them feel that part of that community and that, that following. And the last thing is variance. So nothing wants to become this programmatic, expected cadence um, coming from your, your brand. Instead, we want to kind of switch it up. Sometimes it's a behind-the-scenes photo. Sometimes it's a silly video that you posted. Sometimes it's straight audio. Sometimes it's links. Sometimes it's just, uh, here, I'm having a tuna fish salad today for, for a sandwich for, for lunch. And really, that's about developing the personality and the voice, and it kind of comes full circle on that, to bring authentic, uh, authentic behavior into social. Um, a wise man once said, um, you know, people go on to social media to be social, right? And so to, if, if you're taking that to heart and you're creating um, very polished ads, for example, um, I would say you might be missing the mark. Instead, you know, it doesn't hurt to, instead of having a nice tripod and a very fancy camera, um, thank you for taking a phone photo because that's exactly <laughs> what I was getting at. Um, take your pictures with your phone and make it shaky, make it authentic, make it social because that's why people are there.
Perfect. Thanks. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I, I wanted Nailed to add it. one thing, just kind of a piece of advice to anybody. If anybody criticizes you for coming up with a brand, or I mean, I get it all the time. People, oh, you're an egomaniac, you're a narcissist, you're a megalomaniac, any of that nonsense. Katie thinks that's very funny. Fuck them. <laughs> Tell them, instead of worried about what you're doing, do something cool that you're proud of and tell everybody about it. That is so something a narcissist would say. <laughs> tell me again, James. <laughs> Let's talk about the algorithm. I, this is like that mysterious thing that no one can quite wrap their head around and how to game it, how to work around it. Is there a way to work around a Facebook algorithm, an Instagram algorithm? Is it the types of posts you create? Is it images? Is it video? How do, how do we get our content to organically show up? And you probably have a line on this. Yeah, I, um, from, from the Facebook perspective, look, it's been around for a while, um, and there's been lots of people who have attempted to, to game the Facebook algorithm. Um, it's tough to do. Um, I, you know, we, we've, in my tenure, I've managed a variety of stations. So you've got WBBM News Radio, breaking news, right? And there, so there's, you know, pieces of, of tidbits of information, links, articles that you want to push out in that capacity. Um, then 670 The Score, uh, 93XRT, Q101. All of these brands have different looks and fields um, and different types of things that we can kind of post to switch up the, the cadence of how we kind of talk about it. That, you know, speaks to what I just kind of touched on. I think to beat the algorithm, you maintain that that variance in link types and post types um, you post a lot right it's a game of of numbers in my opinion um, because not everything takes off I think organically when we post something on Facebook the numbers like three percent of your following will ever see it on an organic post right and that's disheartening because they're my fans and I want to talk to them when I want to talk to them the reality is when we push something out if we're battling against that three percent of the following ever seeing what I'm doing then let's try to post a lot of things and, and luckily for us, we don't have to worry about overloading our fans. They don't see our posts in a linear fashion. They don't log into Facebook and see 10 posts lined up right next to each other. Facebook does a good job of blocking you out. And it's gonna rise to the top only the best posts that you make. So like my friend who's on Tinder who swipes right on everything hmm. and does pretty well in, in finding eventual dates who do match <laughs> with them, um, I think it's kind of the same game, uh, and, and at least in the Facebook world, of trying to test various things and see what kind of takes off from there. So, all right, Mike and Lizzie, what, anecdotally, what have you seen the most success with? Is it a specific type of media, or is it... I mean, I've seen with the algorithm, um, especially that being on the newer form of like uh, end of things like TikTok, is that nobody knows how to like game the algorithm to that point yet. But some things that I've started to see um, is that, especially with musicians and artists and people who just want to be content creators, especially on TikTok more specifically, is that you will have to post a minimum of four to ten videos a day to get into the algorithmic mode, which I think is insanity but because it is TikTok in a shorter form so you could do you know seven second videos you can do a minute video um, and then also they want authenticity there on the app so if you're like having like very well produced content which kind of goes back with being authentic being like true to yourself just using your phone and just doing whatever nothing fancy nothing crazy you'll get into that more rather than like a very well produced uniformed TikTok which is very weird for a lot of us to think since we kind of come from YouTube era where we want things to be like really nicely produced, toned, um, you know, all the saturation in line, scripted, et cetera, and so on. So I think really with TikTok, you can start to slowly hack that algorithm more because it is so new. 
so you can get in even though it's exploded during covid we still see a lot of people navigate to there and have pretty good outcomes with at least getting a couple thousand followers because then they can branch off and do uh, more youtube videos they start a podcast they can start to do whatever they want to do and start to like grow that a little bit more because they kind of like game that algorithm in a way. I would say Instagram as well, but Instagram and their algorithm is almost the same where you just got to throw out posts and hope something catches. But the big thing for Instagram now is the stories feature because your stories, people will go and look at that way more, especially the way that it's sorted is that if you are interacting with somebody way more, um, it'll come up first. So people will always see what you're doing. So, you know, I made an Instagram post here um, on my stories. And now, you know, my friend and my podcast co-host who's still at Emo Brunch DJing for me right now, which is great, um, he is, you know, able to see what I'm doing instead of being there. My friends who are, like, super chill, they can see what I'm doing. Um, you know, any of my fans can come and see what I'm doing, like, first and foremost. So it gets me in their algorithm and in their rotation. Um, so those are things to consider. I will also throw out TikToks are adding stories as well. So you can also do the same thing you do on Instagram because those also sort through your For You page, your FYP, as they are like regular videos. So that'll also get you in without like thinking too much about it. So like I was at a show last night at House of Blues and I recorded it and posted it up on my Instagram story and my TikTok story. And it's already getting to rotation a little bit more with the rest of my videos. So with algorithms, you just gotta like play around with it and like find out what is the best for you. But I think the earlier you adopt a new form of social media, the better it is because you start to learn this weird like niches and nooks and crannies of it. And you can kind of like game it for yourself. I'm always big on early adoption for most things. I haven't figured out the algorithm, so this might be all made up, but here's some advice for the big three. Facebook, the fan groups. Post stuff in there, and you're, 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 you're what do I say, you're uh, laser focusing your audience on those. Uh, with Instagram, don't post until noon, and then post, if you can, every hour. Don't, don't post any more than an hour apart from posts. And another trick I learned with Instagram from doing Halloweenies is, so hashtags really don't work necessarily the way they're supposed to work on Twitter, but they do on Instagram because you can follow hashtags. So what I do is on my notes section on my phone, I have just a big block of hashtags, right? And I don't put those in my original post because you do want that post to kind of look streamlined. Hashtags can look like, can make it look a little bit sloppy. So you, you, know, you post a picture, you post a description of what's in the picture, but then in your first, you comment, and, put, and just copy and paste, streamline it. Copy and paste that big block of hashtags into your Instagram post, and it'll pop up. I've seen it happen. It works. And on Twitter, my rule is don't post until noon. You can dump on Twitter all you want, but the thing that does well for me is repost your content at noon. You do it at noon, then you repost it at 9. At noon, everybody's on lunch. At 9 o'clock, everybody's fucking around on their phone as they try to go to bed. So you're probably going to end up reaching an audience that maybe you missed throughout the day, particularly if it didn't gain traction, because I've had plenty of posts that didn't do shit at noon, but then took off at 9 o'clock and went viral by the morning. One thing you do, Mike, since we're on the topic of you and, and Twitter... That, that I, narcissism coming out. Yeah, let's talk about me a little bit more, James. You do something nice that I think can be instructive, in that you ask people for help. You ask people to retweet, to share. There's no... I think you said it to me once... There's no cost to asking someone. No, there's no shame. And it, on that, yeah, hey, please retweet this for me. But on the flip side, 
Retweet other people's stuff, even if they don't ask. You know, even if you don't, those, those, you only have a thousand followers, but it might hit the right thousand followers. Like that rising tide raises all ships. I'll give you another true. cliche. I mean, everyone in the audience has an audience. It's true. Let's talk about ads. Eric mentioned ads earlier. I think for a lot of people, perhaps a lot of people in this room, social media advertising just seems unwieldy. It's assumed to be too cost prohibitive to dive into. I know it could be really effective. For someone who's not backed by a corporation, someone who's bankrolling their own promotion and advertising, how can someone, let's start with Facebook ads, how can someone use Facebook ads to promote their podcast and do it so that they're not making themselves broke in the process? Yeah, um, well, the first thing I tell you is just start, right? So we've all seen that um, if you manage a Facebook page, on your most popular post, you'll see a little boost this post button, right? And it's Facebook's gateway drug. It's like, <laughs> hit this button, give me 20 bucks, get your card registered with our ad system, and at least we got you in. And what that will get you is some exposure beyond your audience. It'll also get you exposure with your fans, that greater than 3% that I was talking about before, um, and a lot of activity, uh, likes, comments, shares, and that's a good start. For those of you who have done a boosted post before, I'll tell you, unlock the greater world of Facebook's ad ecosystem through Facebook Ad Manager. It is ultra powerful. It's what um, we at Cumulus have built a multi-million dollar um, uh, industry, digital industry, on facilitating campaigns using that Facebook ad ecosystem. And it's um, powerful. It does take an investment of time to learn how to use it, but the tools are probably best in class, in my opinion, in, in the Facebook, or, I'm sorry, in the social world. Um, and I say that because we, you know, kind of hearkening back to, to the algorithm conversation. I can have a podcast about cats, and I can literally target people who are cat owners and like podcasts, right? And that seems like the perfect cross-section. But within that Facebook ad ecosystem, it gives a lot of other powers for us. So it applies look-alike audiences. And what I can tell you is Facebook's algorithm is so good that my cat podcast targeted to people who have cats and listen to podcasts, will perform less, less favorably than Facebook's look-alike audience that it derives for you. So said another way, Facebook's smarter about who is going to best engage with um, my ads through their ecosystem than I can define them um, manually myself. And so you can un unlock that power by using their Facebook ad ecosystem. A world, I mean, we could probably talk for two hours about how to, uh, to kind of utilize it. But before I pass the mic here, one other point I'll make is it allows us to capture audiences um, from different sources. So right in the outset, I, I can certainly talk to my fans with a paid ad. So I take that $20 and I run an ad and I can generate a lot of activity with my fans and ensure that more than 3% are seeing it. I can find new audiences through that methodology. I can also stick their pixel, a small piece of code, onto my podcast website. And anybody who goes onto that website, Facebook recognizes, hey, that's James. I know he's logged into Facebook, and that's how I recognize him. Maybe has never been to my site before. Maybe does not like my podcast Facebook page. Nothing else, but because that pixel on my website recognizes James, I can start hitting him with um, ads. And that's a truly powerful prospect because now we can start really thinking about how we touch audiences, find new seed audiences for that lookalike, that, that algorithm, 
um, and build frequency with people who have at least experienced the brand at some point. They've been on my site, they saw a friend's you know, Facebook post about my, my podcast, whatever it may be, now we can suddenly extend that audience with the power of Facebook ads. So worth your time checking out. There's lots of free resources um, on the internet, certainly podcasts that you can listen to as well that are um, worth your time. Is it a conspiracy theory or is there truth to the idea that if you pay for Facebook ads, suddenly your organic, your organic posts will start performing better? Because I've heard that a million times. Yeah. Well, Facebook wants you to pay. If your stuff's not getting seen, maybe slide them some cash and you'll see some better results. It's, it's interestingly, I think it's kind of the reverse. And so what's, what's really cool about what we do as podcasters is we already have really cool content. It's not like I'm a flooring company and somehow I have to think about how am I going to post something every single day about flooring, right? Like what we do is actually interesting and cool and different and, and lends itself to really entertaining posts. And so what is really cool about what we do, whether it's radio, podcast, whatever, is the things that we naturally and organically post every single day, Facebook recognizes as being valuable to the platform. People engage with it naturally because it's just cool and interesting. And so in return now, your ads, Facebook sees them with higher value too because it's not a tile ad that's hitting the feed that they gotta crank through and get in front of people just to get the dollars. It's actually something that people think is interesting and cool, plus hey, we're paying for that placement, so Facebook gives it more, more runway, more, more visibility. And so you'll find that as long as you maintain a good um, good hygiene in, in, your social, in your organic social following, and you, you constantly engage with them and, and um, offer good content to the platform, Facebook will re reward you with really low ad rates, and you can get a lot of mileage out of that $20 that you dump into to the ad system. One of the challenges for any content creator is keeping up on social. All the platforms to be on, how to best perform on each of those platforms. Lizzie, you mentioned TikTok, and I, I know you've been successful there. Another platform I think a lot of people in this room are at least familiar with, but maybe not hands-on into, is Twitch. How can podcasters in this room use and benefit from Twitch? So first of all, how many of you have ever used Twitch or have a Twitch account? Okay, so we're doing great there, I love that. So Twitch is basically an online community. If you've ever live streamed or played like a video game, like Xbox 360 or whatever it is, I don't play video games, whatever you do, and you live stream and you talk to other players. It's the same exact thing except you are the, the content. You're on there doing whatever you're doing. People live stream the craziest things. So you know what? If, if it's appropriate, there's a niche. If it's halfway appropriate, there's a niche and you can get away with it, um, is what we have unfortunately found out. But um, along with that, you have Twitch, which is another way you can create a community, um, especially more globally. So for example, along with um, adding into our regular repertoire for my podcast, what we do on other socials, we also uh, live stream all of our interviews. So we interview a lot of bands. For example, we interviewed uh, the Juliana Theory, kind of like an OG emo band uh, the other day. And we allow for people to come in to chat and ask them questions where you wouldn't get that opportunity like at a show or at a concert, because maybe they're inaccessible for whatever reason, you're scared to talk to them, we've all been there, it's okay, but you can do it online. And you can also start to like grow a community, talk with other people while you're in the chat. We also do DJ streams. So when we have DJ streams, uh, we just do it on like Saturday nights. And it can be niche, it can be themed oriented, and we'll have people who come in. We have also curated just good findings with people who find us on the trending page 
and they'll be like, oh, I'm going to raid, which means when you're ending your own stream, you can take those batch of people who are viewing it and just throw them into somebody else's stream. And then you kind of like start to network in a way, even if you don't know them, and they have a similar interest in what you're doing or what you're streaming, you can be like, oh, that was really cool that they did that for me. I'll follow them on other socials. And I'll also raid them next time. That's like a back and forth, like a recipro uh, reciprocal type of thing. Um, and that's like a really good way to start to utilize other ways of social media. So for example, I'm trying to in, um, in, like introduce uh, live streaming to the college station that I run and manage. So when students are on air and live, they can be live streaming. So when they have music playing, when they're not doing their air breaks, people can say, hey, this is a new song you're playing, can you tell me about it? Or say, hey, like, what do you like about being a DJ? Things of that nature, so they can kind of get used to interacting with people. So I work at Odyssey, and my home stations are um, XRT and WBBM AM. Those are where I started out. One thing that I've noticed is that um, when we saw the score 670, start to say we're gonna do live streaming everybody was kind of fighting against it they don't want to be on air they really are strict with the whole like i got a face for radio i'm like listen bestie i get it um i feel the same way too but we have to we have to be forward thinking we got to keep moving with it otherwise you're going to get left behind in the dust and you're not going to have a good time so live streaming is a thing that you need to do so for example as well i can literally come out here on my phone and say hey guys i'm going to live stream on my twitch or better yet i could say i'm going to go live stream on my TikTok right now because i have over a thousand followers because you need that minimum so for example right now i could say here's 60 seconds of me recording a TikTok. get vanderbilt in there there you go there we go yeah. there we go see so i could do Narcissism. that and post it right now to my story and it's going to get in there and i could go live if i wanted to so when we have these things that are kind of being interacted with it's it's a new way to like build up upon yourself and to also say hey what other podcast is uh live streaming all of their interviews what other podcast is also incorporating djing um, my co-host will sometimes do video game streams um, there are other people that I've seen who are Twitch streamers who are just uh, like photographers and they just say, hey, I'm going to uh, be on Photoshop. And uh, if you have questions and you want to learn more about Photoshop, you can be doing these things and ask me a question, which usually somebody might charge you for. And you can just do it for free. So it opens like this new like accessibility, which I'm huge on accessibility, which is why podcasts and radio is great nowadays because anybody can do it. Double-edged sword, obviously. We won't get into that. <laughs> but when you have these barriers that are being broken down and you can like start to like basically like make friends with everybody all at once, within reasons, you start to like make yourself more personable and also just build yourself up in a better way. So I think Twitch, whatever you're doing, maybe you're like a research-based history podcast and you're like, hey, um, you could stream just from your phone, honestly. You could just link it up to your phone and stream to make sure it's like cooked up somewhere because it'll drain your battery like crazy. But you could stream while maybe you're at like a library archive and say like, hey, look, I'm researching. Isn't this cool? Do things like that. Like all these different cool things you could do that you'd be like, this is kind of boring. Someone's going to find it really entertaining and be into it. So that is something I could like very, very much urge people to hop onto with Twitch and also like TikTok in these different realms as well. Eric White, Lizzie Baumgartner, Mike Vanderbilt, your panel. Thank you very much. <laughs>